If you have your Bibles while we're receiving the offering, we're going to be looking at the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk. And uh, I just love this book. I just love these three chapters. I, I don't know. I, I could preach on it over and over and over again. In fact, I may just take some of this tonight and carry it over because I want Sister Carol to come and share with you a great testimony. But I uh, hope I maybe even carry it over for next, uh, next Sunday morning. Uh, about eight years ago, nine years ago now, uh, is when I had my uh, radiation. And uh, I had a trip scheduled to England because we had a, a, an executive board meeting over there and I was supposed to preach in England. So what I did, what the doctor did, he speeded up my treatments and just really zapped me good. And uh, the last uh, treatment, I jumped on the plane and went to England. And while I was there, I preached on this book. And some of you have heard me tell this story before, but it's interesting. And, uh, I, and you've, got to, you've got to really study this book to really appreciate it. Because it is a contemporary book. Now, there's, listen, there's some, there are some promises and some commandments in the Old Testament that is not applied in the New Testament. And we all know that. Certain promises and certain laws that is recorded in the Old Testament that is not carried over to the New Testament. So how do you know? Well, the way that you know is if it's covered in the New Testament, especially several times. And the book of Habakkuk is, is covered several times uh, in the New Testament. And you know, this book is certainly contemporary. It is it's up to date as far as uh, 2017 is concerned. But I got over there and I got up and I started preaching this sermon. And I was telling about what I, how God had blessed me going through my treatments and everything. Well, about a third of the way through the sermon, and this, it was, I mean, it was full of preachers. There was just a lot of preachers there. About a third of the way through the sermon, this preacher jumped up and just really rebuked me standing out there and rebuked me while I was preaching. So I just stopped and uh, kept my mouth shut. And he grabbed his wife's hand and they went right by me and walked out the door. And uh, I just stood there. The only thing I said, I said, I wish he'd stayed and heard the latter part. He would have understood. But he was one of those hyper-faith preachers. And the kind of man that believes if you have faith, that you'll never get sick. They believe if you have faith, that uh, you always have plenty of money. And they believe if you have faith, a woman has faith, she'll have no pain during childbirth. And if you have enough faith, if you're having a baby and you want that baby to have blue eyes, if you've got enough faith and you should have enough faith, that baby will have blue eyes. I've heard them say it. They even said Paul didn't have the faith he should have had. Or he wouldn't have gone through what he went through. So this preacher, he, he didn't like it because, you know, there's certain parts of this book that you look at that it sounds quite negative until you get over, over 
into the third chapter. And it's not negative. Everybody faces trouble. And, and I've heard those preachers preach, and I, I've been exposed to those preachers over the years. I don't, believe in, in, I don't believe those things. I believe in faith. If you were here Sunday, you know what I believe. If you were here Sunday, you know what I believe about exercising faith and believing about being uh, But one of the worst things I've ever heard one of them say is this. Many of you have put your loved one in the grave by standing next to their room, their, their bed in the hospital, Doubting and having unbelief in your heart. Now, how many loved ones already struggle, struggle with their, their loved one dying, and they ask themselves, did I have enough faith, or I should have done this? I mean, you're just all you're doing is putting a guilt trip on those people. But anyway, uh, what I want to do tonight is, is start this, and if you, I want everybody to have an outline of the sermon. If you don't, lift your hand, and we'll make sure you get one. Hope everyone has an outline of the sermon. Uh, when, now, this is a song that, that was sung by the Jewish people. And this song is, was to be sung with emotion and a sense of victory. So that's really what this is about. It's, it's victory in God. It's, there's a lot of emotion in this song. But notice the introduction. Habakkuk provides us one of the most remarkable sections in all the scripture as it contains an extended dialogue between Habakkuk and God. Now, Isaiah wrote the book of Isaiah. It was God speaking to the people. Most of the writers of the Bible, they wrote that book, a message or whatever, to the people. This was, this was Habakkuk and God having a dialogue. And that, that's one reason I love it. Because how many of you ever felt like God? If I could just talk to you. Can I talk to you just like I feel? Can I tell you just how I feel? And I can name time and time again in my life. I said, oh, God, I wish I could just. And God wants us to do that. He wants us to be able to do that. And this is a dialogue between Habakkuk and God. The prophet initiated this conversation based on his distress about God's inaction in the world. Now, as we go through this, you're going to see how similar the, Israel, the, the nation of Israel and the time of Habakkuk was with where we are today. He wanted to see God do something more particular in the, area, in the area of justice for the evildoers. The book of Habakkuk pictures a frustrated prophet, much like Jonah, though Habakkuk channeled his frustration into prayers and eventually praise to God, rather than trying to run from the Lord, certainly as Jonah did. The purpose of Habakkuk is to show that God is still in control of the world Despite, and that was supposed to be world there, um, left that deal, of the world despite the apparent triumph of evil. Amen? We have to know that. No matter the political situation, no matter where America is or is not, no matter the evil, corruption, and the immorality, no matter, we got to understand that God's in control. 
And a lot of times, things don't happen like we want it to happen. If these preachers were right, how do you answer the question that, that I, I remember Paul Pano saying years ago, if the gospel you preach cannot be preached all over the world, it's a false doctrine. If you can't preach what we preach here in America, and a lot of these prosperity preachers and a lot of these super faith preachers, you can't preach that gospel all over the world. I want to say it again. Understand this. If the gospel we preach cannot be preached all over the world, then it's not the gospel that Jesus Christ brought. What are you going to do when ISIS lines up 25 people on the edge of the water and puts a hood over their head and cut their heads off? They were Christians. What are you going to do with what's happening around the world today? languishing in prisons. I mean, they're Christians. You say, oh, but we're America. God loves us more. He don't love us any more than he loves those people. What are you going to do when a David Nunn, most of you, that name will not ring a bell. This man right here. When David Nunn, a man of God that preached on hundreds and hundreds of radio stations. And I'm not trying to be negative. I just want us to face reality. Okay? And the man preached for us. He preached for us down in Dunn and just a great, great man of God. The last seven years of his life, he had a stroke and he was in a rest home, didn't even know his son. Now, what are you going to do with that? How are you going to deal with that? Most Listen, everybody's going to face things in their life, you and me together. But the thing about the believer, the thing about the saint of God and those that trust in God, we have joy no matter the circumstances. I'm telling you. It, it, is, you know, it is important that we understand that. Now, let's look at, if you will, look at your notes and look at the key themes in, the, in this book. God is just and merciful even though his people may not always understand his ways. Has there ever been a time when something happened in your life that you didn't understand it? Sure, there has. Look at number two. Wickedness will eventually be punished and the righteous will ultimately see God's justice. Amen. God uses some wicked nations to punish other wicked nations, but ultimately God will judge all nations. See, what Habakkuk struggled struggled with is that he couldn't understand how the poor and the weak were mistreated. This was of Israel, not of the Chaldeans or the Babylonians. This was of Israel, how the wicked seemingly would abuse and misuse and mistreat weak and poor people. And God said, and and, and Habakkuk said, God, are you going to let this continue? So God in the second chapter says, okay, I'm going to deal with the sins of Israel. I'm going to have the Chaldeans or you could say the Babylonians to come down. And their judgment is going to come on the nation of Israel through this, 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 these, uh, uh, the Babylonians and the, and the others. Well, then God answered his first question, brought on more questions. He says, wait a minute. You're going to punish Israel that's not all that bad with these 
ever so wicked people. He didn't understand that. Look at number four. The key phrase, the righteous shall live by faith, summarizes God's plan for his people. It is quoted three times in the New Testament. You'll find it in Romans and Galatians and in Hebrews. Uh, and, 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 and most, as most of you know, eventually it became the watchword, certainly for the Protestant Reformation, which was brought on by who? Martin Luther. Great, great happening uh, in the world. Look at number. Look at number five. In the third chapter, there, there's an eloquent poetic prayer expressing great faith in the ultimate vindication of God's righteousness. Everybody should read that. In fact, I would encourage you to, this week during your Bible study to take down your Bible, get whatever translation you have, especially if you, if you have a, a, a translation that will sort of break it down a little bit, but it can be any translation, and read the book of Habakkuk. Notice the prophet's perplexities, and this is found in the first chapter to the second chapter, verse 20. His complaint, Habakkuk asked God the kind of question that so many of us have pondered. Why do you force me to look at evil? How many of you know we see it every day in America? And you wonder, God, why do you let this go on? Why all the abortions? Why this spirit of homosexuality rampant? You could go on and on and on. We we stare as it were uh, all this every day we look at it. Number two, God's first response, while God may seem silent and uninvolved in our world, he always has a plan to deal with evil and always works out justice eventually. It's going to come. People think they're getting by. They are not getting by. They may be, be doing okay now, but, they, but, but sin, you're going to reap what you sow when it comes to sinning. His second complaint, God's solution to the prophet's original problem only raises more questions. And God's, then he starts asking these questions. Again, I'm not going to read the whole book because I'll take up too much time. I want to give Sister Carol some time. God's second response, here we go. He, he pronounces a woe from, from verse 2, uh, from verse 5 of chapter 2 to verse 20. He, 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 the book of Habakkuk offers us a picture of a prideful people being humbled while the righteous live by faith. So what happens, Habakkuk says to God, okay, Israel has sinned. You're going to bring the Babylonians down to bring judgment on them. How about Babylon? He says, they're going to pay for their sin too. They're going to, they're going to pay dearly for their sin. The prophet encourages believers to wait on the Lord, expecting that he will indeed work in all things for our good. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. For in all things, listen to this one, God works for our good. Let me say that again. In all things, God works for certainly our good.
Now, we go from the prophet's perplexities to the prophet's prayer. And, uh, and it's a psalm also. It's not just a prayer. It's certainly a psalm. And this is recorded in chapter 3. This is a, a, a poetic portrayal of God's salvation of his people from Egypt. If you have time, if you read that, that's what it's about. And he uses analogies and metaphors uh, in this third chapter of the first 15 verses. He petitions God's mercy. Habakkuk prays God for his answering his questions, and he found out that evil will not triumph, certainly forever. And we don't need to allow these things to bother us. We need to, we need to be over that. This, this uh, spirit-filled man was walking down the road one day, and this woman was, looked like she was so discouraged. She, her head was hanging down. And he walked up to her, and he said, Ma'am, how are you doing? She said, I'm doing okay under the circumstances. He said, well, ma'am, it's time for you to get out from under the circumstances and get on top of the circumstances and let God bless your life. And a lot of people been there, done that, get under the circumstances. And God is wanting us to be over the circumstances. Look at number two. Praise of God's power. Uh, and this is when we begin to look with the eye of faith. I... Uh, I'm reminded of the song, and most of us have heard the song, His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches. That's just a great song. Listen to the story behind this song. Although it was written by a young wife in America, this well-loved hymn was sung publicly for the first time in England during the famous Troy Alexander Revival of 1905. By the way, I think Troy followed Moody. When Moody died, he took over from Moody in Chicago. And they had a revival that lasted for a long time. And 90,000 people at that time in England stood to their feet and confessed Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And this song was sung for the first time at that. Her name is Sevilla D. Martin. She had been a school teacher in Canada, her native, native, <laughs> native homeland, before she married and went into evangelistic work with her husband, Dr. William Martin. He was a Baptist preacher. He was the first one to put her poetry to music by writing the tune for her poem, God Will Take Care of You. She wrote that one also. God will take care of you. Da, 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 da. She wrote that song and he put the tune to both of these songs. Just one year earlier, while they made their home at Johnson's, Johnson City, New York, Mrs. Martin's inspiration for the Sparrow song, now listen to this, came while she was visiting a bedridden friend in Elmira, New York. In an attempt to cheer the friend, Sevilla read the Bible, prayed, and talked openly with the lady. In the end, Sevilla was the one uplifted. When she asked the friend if she ever got discouraged with her circumstances, the lady replied, Mrs. Martin, how can I be discouraged when my Heavenly Father watches over every little sparrow and I know he loves me and cares for me? 
It only took a few minutes for Sibelia to turn that thought into the words of the well-known song, His Eye is on the Sparrow. Later, her husband sent it to his friend in England to compose the music. Listen to the words of this song. I love these words. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven's home and home? When Jesus is my portion, my constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Then the second verse, let not your heart be troubled. Now I want us to hear this tonight. Let God speak to us. Let not your heart be troubled. His tender word I hear. And resting on his goodness, I lose my doubts and fears. Though by the path he leadeth, but one step I may see. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. And the last verse says, whenever I am tempted, whenever clouds arise, when songs give place to sighing, when hope within me dies, I draw the closer to him, from care he sets me free. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches. I sing because I'm happy. Listen, what a great song. And we need to understand that that's, that's sort of what Habakkuk did. He knew that God's eye was on the sparrow. He knew that God was watching him. And he was praising God for God's power and God's blessings. And no matter what happened, he was saying, let's praise God. You see, by, Brother Don, is that carried over in the New Testament? What incident? Can you think of an incident in the New Testament where that was carried over there where no matter what happens, we can still sing and praise God? Anyone? Paul and Silas in jail. They had been stripped of their clothes. They had been beaten. They had been thrown into jail. And yet the power of, of praising God, praising God and honoring God, and of course God set them free. God chose to set them free. But they praised him in spite of of the circumstances. And the last one, the promise of God's sufficiency. Uh, there's times that we don't see what God is doing, but we know that he's looking after us. We know that God is blessing. And when we start praising him, I believe there's power in rejoicing. Habakkuk asked for a show of God's might. He now reacts to that show. Someone read, uh, yeah, you've got your Bible open to Habakkuk. Read 316, I believe it is. So what, so what he did, he questioned God about the, the sins of Israel. God said they're going to be judged by the Babylonians. Then he questioned that, what God, why are you doing that? 
And then he looked at how God led the children of Israel out of bondage. And he said, God, would you do it again? You read it. It's great reading. He said, would you do it again? Would you show forth your power? Would you stretch forth your hand and show it? And when God did that, then he started trembling. He said, I couldn't even speak. My voice was trembling. And God touched him, and, and he realized that. And uh, even in the times of starvation and loss, he would still rejoice in the Lord. Now, let's read that. Habakkuk chapter 3. Let's begin with verse 17. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olives shall fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd, heard in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Powerful. Potent. You say, Brother Don, do you believe in emotion? If you look at the original Hebrew word of that word joy, it means to turn super, it means turn flips. I never forget, I was, many, many years ago, I was in a church where there were a number of preachers. There was about 15 or 20 preachers. And uh, I'm not going to say all of them were in the flesh, but I think some of them got in the flesh. And they had every one of those preachers to come up and take about five, supposed to be, about three to five minutes. And, and they just went, went, went gun-ho, 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 gun-ho. And I, I believe most of them were praising God and honoring God. And some of them seemed like they were just uh, trying to build a, their own ministry. But one of the last ones that came up was an old, short gentleman, a preacher. And he went to one side of the building. And he flipped. He was old. And he flipped all the way across to the other side. And he went and sat down. That was the funniest thing I've ever, just about ever seen. In other words, they had gotten up and did their thing. He says, I'm going to do my thing. Flip, 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 flip. But you know what? What Habakkuk is saying, I'm going to flip with joy. I'm going to jump for joy. I believe that serving God, living for the Lord, helps us to get emotional. Amen?